You know, what group of people, I want you to think for a second, what group of people this last Thursday, May 17th, a group of people celebrated something significant? What was it? Satendamai. And and what group was that? Norwegian. How many Norwegians do we have here? Not too many. Proud Norwegians. Raise your hands high. Yeah. Satendamai was an interesting, it's, it's, it's their 4th of July, basically. After the Napoleonic Wars, there was a the, the Denmark who had ruled them for some uh, since about the 1300s decided or was kind of, in a sense, asked to, forced to maybe give them Norway to Sweden. So now Sweden, how many the Norwegians usually don't like the Swedes. So now Sweden was ruling over them. But it happened in eight. It was in 1814, May 17th, that Norway pushed for that independence, signed the document. But the Swedes weren't too thrilled about doing it. And it took till a actually May 17th, 1905, almost 100 years later for that to, to be enacted. Now, I think it's interesting. There's a group of people who would know that. But, you know, there is a larger group of people that celebrated something in my mind far more significant on the on the lines of independence this last May 17th. Anybody know this other group of people? This other group of people are people called Christians. They celebrated on May 17th of this year. 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus, the day of ascension. May not have realized that. Depending on what tradition you come from, whether it's Catholic or whether it's maybe more of the, um, what I call liturgical traditions, Anglican, Episcopalian, and, and others, they celebrated on Thursday the Feast of Ascension. Often what happens is on that day, if it's on, on a Thursday, they move it to, because it is a Thursday, they move it to the next Sunday, which would be today, the day of Ascension. Uh, again, it's not always May 17th because it follows 40 days after the resurrection or Easter. And this whole group of people, you included, have celebrated this incredible act that we don't, sometimes don't even understand what it's all about. We think of the final words of Jesus, and usually it comes to mind in our mind, are those final words that are found in Matthew 28. And we've been going through Matthew, and we're going to actually head back into Matthew for a little bit here in the summer. But as we went through Matthew, we ended in chapter 28, and Peter Kapsner spoke that day and, and, and summed up the words that many people are familiar with, where he said, go and make disciples of all nations. And he says, and I'm with you always. That's one of the words that people are pretty familiar with when you think of final words of Jesus. The other words that are often recalled are found in Acts. And Luke was a writer of Acts. And in Acts chapter 1, he at one point, as he is ready to ascend, we're told he says these words. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And a lot of people are familiar with those words. There were other final words that Jesus said. It's really found by the same author, but in the Gospel of Luke. And I was thinking of this Sunday, and we were kind of planning for the end of Matthew to come and was in this transition between messages. I thought, well, let's talk about ascension. Let's talk about this, this day of obligation in, in Catholic communities. It's, it's an obligatory day of celebration. And why is it so important? What does it mean that Jesus ascended? Well, if you read in, in, in the final words of Luke, verse 50 of chapter 24, you find that Jesus is leading them to a hill uh, just outside of Jerusalem in Bethany. 
And in Matthew 28, when we were there, what you're doing there, he brings them to Galilee. And at that point, he tells them to be witnesses. And Matthew has a purpose for this because Matthew is speaking to Jews and he wants to bring them in a sense to Galilee. And he's basically saying you're going to be witnesses throughout the whole world. He now brings the people back. He travels with them. Now this 40 days comes to an end. He's at that 40th day. He stands before him. And Luke tells us he says, among other things, he says this, as he's leaving, these are, in a sense, his final words as recorded by Luke. Verse 50, when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. And then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, blessing God. Now, as you read that, there is something that should stand out. There's something that Jesus did in his final words should have an impact on us. And as you look at it, you'll see how important it is. He blessed. In fact, what I want to do in the beginning here is just take a moment and and talk about the importance of blessing. Here is Jesus. He's standing there before them and he's about to ascend. He's about to lead them. And the final thing he does is he looks at them. He raises his hands and he blesses them. Three times in this passage of Scripture, lifts his hands, bless them. And while he's blessing, it's interesting that actually as he's blessing, he ascends. Now, we get this idea that he's ascending up into heaven and and somehow heaven is up there. And and that's a concept that is easier for us because it's concrete. We struggle sometimes with the abstract. And so with children, you'll say, oh, yeah, you'll go to heaven someday. And you kind of point the idea that heaven's up there. But that's not how our world is really put together. I mean, God isn't out there somewhere. Jesus just didn't go out somewhere in the skies wondering if he's past the moon or something like that or some other universe. The idea is that there's realms, and one of the realms we live in is the realm of flesh and blood where we see one another. We have spirits, so our spirit is in one sense connected to this other realm, but we often don't even know and are aware of this realm. And so in a real sense, what happens here is Jesus, his ascension and this, this visual picture of him leaving is also given so that we'll have this visual picture that he's coming again in the same way. But the idea is that he went to the realm where his father exists. A realm in a sense where the father exists all the time all around us and Jesus is there with him. And as he does, so he blesses us. And it's incredibly important. We find that if you go through the, the Old Testament, you'll find that right from the very beginning, you'll find blessing. You go to Genesis chapter 12, and the first thing that, that God does when he pulls Abraham out and calls him out from among a group of people, he says, Abraham, I have called you, and I'm going to place on you blessing. He says, I will make you into a great nation, because he wants through Abraham to bless the entire world. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth, because of you, are going to be blessed. And as you go through the Old Testament, you'll find how important blessing is. And I'm just going to highlight a couple of them. As you go along, you'll find this incredibly wonderful passage in Numbers chapter 6. It's probably the most familiar passage of blessing. Aaron, it says, and his sons are told by Moses from God, this is how you're to bless the Israelites. This is what I want you to speak into their spirit. You see, our spirit exists in this realm that is in the realm of God, in the realm of the kingdom, yet we live in this realm of earth, but yet our spirit can be spoken to and be blessed. And he says, so I want you to use these words, and these words have power, they have life. I want you to speak these words into their heart and life. 
So I want you to hear how it sounded and the way they probably spoke this out. And they actually still do this kind of sing-song kind of blessing in, in rabbinic traditions. Notices with, notice it ends with the word shalom, peace, which is where it ends there. And then it, in the scripture goes on, so they will put the name on the Israelites and I will bless them. You know, God blessed Abraham. He blessed the Israelites. The whole purpose he was bringing this nation together is that they might receive God's blessing. They would be the kind of people that as they were blessed, they would be a light. They'd be attractive to the world around them. They would see as people would look in because of the law of God and the grace and the goodness of God. People would look in and they would say, this is a people whose God is with them and for them. We often think it's just material kind of blessing, and, and that's not what this is. It's not necessarily a health and wealth thing, but the reality is when you live right with God, God's desire is to bless you. It doesn't mean you don't go through difficult times. It doesn't mean that you don't experience hardship. In fact, if you're going to extend the kingdom of God in any way, you will suffer, Jesus tells you. But you will know in your heart and your spirit the blessing and presence of God. There is no greater thing than to know in your spirit and to have spoken in your spirit the presence of God. And so he says, I'll bless Abraham. And so the priest stands up, Aaron, the high priest, stands up and blesses him. Catch this, because this is going to be important as we look at this passage of Scripture. Leviticus chapter 9, verses 23 through 24. I'll read it from the message because I like the way it reads. Aaron lifted up his hands over the people and blessed them. Having completed the rituals of the absolution offering, the whole burnt offering, And the peace offering, these are the offerings for sin. He came down from the altar. Moses and Aaron entered the tent of meeting where all the people were. And when they came out, they blessed the people and the glory of God appeared to all the people. In in other versions in Hebrew, it's the idea that this, this presence and weight of God, he was so tangibly present that they they could hardly do anything it says here fire blazed out from god and consumed the whole burnt offering and the fat pieces on the altar and when all the people saw it happen they cheered loudly and then they fell down bowing in reverence God had come and they had brought their offering. They knew that they had offended God. They knew that they had hurt their brother or sister. They knew they hadn't lived up to their obligations with their neighbor. They knew that they had been in a place where they needed someone to forgive them. They knew that before God, they needed his forgiveness. And he was teaching them that the way that you live in the presence of God is through humility and dependence, understanding your need of him, understanding that you have offended him and coming to him and in repentance saying, God, forgive me. And that God, in a sense, comes before them, burns up this whole offering and the people watch it and they know that the offering has been accepted because now Moses and Aaron stand before the people. They raise their hands and they speak the spirit into their spirit blessing and they say, God has given you another year of favor all that you have done all that you know in your being has been forgiven by God 
And the people can't believe that this God would love them so much because they know themselves like you know yourself and we know ourselves and we know what it means to, to know that someone would forgive you. I mean, I think in my own relationship with my wife at times when I'll ask her to forgive me for something that I have done maybe a few times or repeated times or done in a way that has really hurt her and she will come back and forgive me. That is a gift, an incredible gift that we offer to one another. And when that gift impacts our life, it then impacts us in such a way that we don't want to do that again to that person we love. But it's that love from that person, the grace that begins to change the heart. It's not our, we try real hard to follow some laws and really live up to those. It's the grace that transforms who we really are. And they stand there and they see this burnt offering go up before the eyes, their eyes as the glory of God says it's good. And the priests stand with their hands over them like this in blessing. You maybe wonder why we do that. I did this last week where I had you raise your hands as, as we prayed for Pastor Paul after 70 years of ministry. And we, we blessed him. You're wondering, well, what's the whole significance of raising hands? They stood before the people and they raised their hands because in that time and in that day, they would often pray for a person and they placed their hands on them. And in placing their hands on them, their words would also significant, would be significant as their hands are placed on them, that the presence of God, his life, is being, in a sense, transferred, imparted onto them in some specific and special way. And they can't do that for everybody. So they raise their hands in a significant and symbolic way. As if God himself right now, if I were to pray for you, was putting his hand on your shoulder and saying, guess what? I love you. I want to pour favor into your life. I want you to know my goodness. I want you as you walk out of this place to know that you are right with me and that I want to be present with you and I'm going to walk with you and I'm going to be with you and I'm going to, be, I'm going to secure your path as you walk with me. And so you get this picture. I love it. Luke 24. Jesus stands before them and raises his hands. He's just offered his life up on a cross. The glory of God has burnt it up and produced, in this sense, a resurrection. God in flesh, this new resurrection body of Jesus, walks around for 40 days, blessing people that he sees, speaking life into them. You know, it's significant, this whole 40 days. It means something important has happened. It's not just, you know, while Jesus is going, you know what, Father, how about I stay about 34 days? They knew 40 days. 40 days meant there was a time of transition that was going on. It's usually a testing or a tempting, or it can be that there's just a transitional period. For 40 days, we read that Noah in the flood, and in that period of time, the whole earth is being transformed because it's being made into a whole new earth. For 40 years, they travel in the wilderness and the people of Israel are continuing to travel as God is placing them to a, into a kind of a womb-like experience where he's teaching them how to depend on them and, and he's birthed them through the Red Sea and now they're walking through the wilderness. He's feeding them like children so he can bring them to the place where in maturity they can stand in faith and walk now across that river and enter into this promised destination, this new land. And then you get this idea of 40 days is Jesus, as he's in the wilderness. Jesus has grown up. He's now waited. And can you imagine how impatient he must have been? 33 years. He's waiting 30 years. He's waiting. He's this guy who knows God's calls on his life, but he stays responsible as the oldest son to the family until Jesus is released by the Spirit of God. 
He's baptized and goes into the wilderness for 40 days. And what's 40 days? It's a time of testing. But what it is is a time of preparation. And I just want to say, if you're in the wilderness, and you feel yourself right these times. and You go, man, God, this is so hard. It's preparation. God's preparing a new day for you. And so as he goes through this wilderness, it tells us in Luke chapter 4, I love it, it says that he was led in the wilderness and he was, had the Spirit of God all on him. And yet when he comes back, it's around verse 13, it says he's filled with the power of God. He is now ready for a new day, a public ministry with the power of God. The favor of God is on him in such a way that he touches people and they're healed. As he prays for them, God does miraculous things in their life. The favor of God is so on him and he's so open to the favor of God, it flows right through him, just like it was supposed to be to Abraham, just like it was supposed to be to Israel, just like it is supposed to be for us we're vessels of favor we're vessels of blessedness to others and so here he is 40 days he goes in this new thing so 40 days after the resurrection well, what's that all about it's all about the fact that we're entering into a whole new age at the tar- cross and at the resurrection the curse that was upon us has now been reversed and this new age is coming and this new creation will come in its fullness we're going to talk about this in a few weeks in messages when we talk about renew this idea that god is renewing all things and here is these 40 days and he leaves on the 40th day blessing the people pouring out himself and he's saying guess what walk out of this place guys forgiven Knowing that your God is with you. Knowing that you have entered into a new age. That there's no physical temple that you have to go to. No sacrifices you have to give. That you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The blessing of God is on you in a way that it was on me. And I transfer that to you because now you are going to be like priests and ambassadors. And you're going to be the ones that go around the world. And as you walk with Him and receive His blessing, you go around and and give that blessing to others. Well, I think it's interesting when you read that and you understand the importance of that. There is a response that we need to have. There's a response of when you are blessed, what happens to you? And as we read this passage of Scripture, it tells us in verse 51 that the followers responded to what Jesus did when he spoke his spirit into their life. And while he was blessing them, he left them, was taken up to heaven. Now, you think in some ways they'd be going, no, no, don't leave. or don't, don't. They don't. They're getting this concept That Jesus must go. He can't be physically contained in this body here on earth in this realm anymore. He goes to the realm to be with his father so that he can stand with his father in heaven. And it tells us here in scripture that they worshipped him and they were returning back to Jerusalem. They were cheering and greatly filled with joy. And they were hanging around the temple And some of your translations will say praising God, but the word is the same as the other two words for blessing. It's uanglageo, which means to speak well. It means to bless with your words. And they went around blessing God, speaking about how incredible this God is. Walking around in this newness of life, in this newness of world, which they have been called into to be representatives for God. And why were they so filled with adoration, which is the word worship, and filled with this joy? And telling everyone how good he is. Because they knew that Jesus was with his father in heaven and that he would be continually interceding and praying and standing there and blessing them and you and me. It's one of the wonderful things about the ascension is here is the father and Jesus is at the right hand. The right hand person executed the things for the person on the throne. The right hand person would would, would be in dialogue with the person on the throne 
And when, when God looks at your life and he sees you in sin and, and you're kind of going, oh, and you, it, Jesus is going, I forgave him. And he speaks blessing into your heart. He's on the right hand of the Father and it should fill you with, with the sense of joy and gratefulness that says, God, what can I do with my life so that it blesses you and blesses others? And so I'm going to ask you, do you want to, do you want to release God's blessing in your life? It, it, God is standing, he has his son, Jesus, at his right hand, wanting to release into your life his blessing right now. He wants you to walk in the fullness of the spirit, this new spirit, so that your soul becomes to be repaired and reordered. And so as that's being repaired and reordered, so also the relationships that are in touch with your soul, so that even your physical body, in some cases, I've seen that God has actually come in and healed their body as they begin to put themselves in a position where the blessing of God can flow through them. And you have to ask yourself, what do you need to do? It's really simple. One is you need to get out of the way of God's blessing you. And what I mean by that is that you have to step aside from trying to make things happen in your own flesh. Anybody ever have trouble with that? What I mean by that is you try and do things in your own strength. You ever have these things where you say, God, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help you get this for me. I shared this at first service, and Joel, you're here, so I'm going to share it with you here as well. Um, I had one of these little lessons I've had a lot over the last few years, and specifically this last year. And, and uh, it was during the time we were doing the search for the worship pastor. And I remember we went through this process. We hired this group called the Slingshot. They're a professional search agency, and we're thrilled that they would help us because they could actually, they knew more people, and they were able to get us to the people who were musically competent, and we wouldn't have to do all that work, and that was wonderful. And then we put together, the elders did, a search team. And the search team put together the kind of job description, the kind of qualities and qualifications and everything we were looking for, and they prayed. And one of their prayers was, "Let's God, if it could be, would you help us to be unanimous in the person we select, but we recognize that sometimes you work through a majority, and we're okay with that. And so we went through this process, and name after name, we met with some people, some really sharp people, and then we met with a guy named Scott. That was in November, and Scott came, and some of you remember he played, and he was a great guy, wonderful guy. We got real close to bringing Scott to the next part, and and as a group, we didn't have a unanimous vote, but it was a strong majority. And we felt like, man, maybe this is the person God wants for us. So when we asked Scott as he left, we said, we asked you to do one thing. Pray, is, is God's call in your life for this place? Well, I get a phone call like a few days after Scott leaves. And it's, this is like early in the week. Scott's supposed to get back to me the next Monday. I get a phone call like on a Monday of the week before that. A guy from Slingshot, Monty, says, you know, I got a guy who's going to be resigning from First Cov, um, kind of exuberant guy. You know, you may want to meet with him. I thought, well, okay. I'm the kind of guy like, you know what, there's an opportunity, let's make, and I'm an activator. So I got on it. Got a couple other people who are on this pre-interview team with me. One of them was Kevin Lakin. We met with, with Joel. Good day, Cafe. Remember, Joel? And we get done, and Kevin Lake, and some of you know Kevin, church chairman at the time, put his arm around me and goes, this guy's a leader, he's the guy. And in my spirit, I'm thinking the same thing. But at the same time, I know this process is in place. And I've been a part of search processes as a pastor before, where an, a, a, an executive higher than me actually came in and, and threw the process off. 
kind of you know, took it and, and hooked it and went a different direction. And I think in my heart, I'm not going to do that, God. I want to see you at work in this thing. So I go, okay, God, I know what I would like to do. I'd like, you know, I'd like to kind of put my own, and I let it go. And all of a sudden, Monday comes, and Scott calls, and I'm going, okay. If he says yes, okay, God, I'm going to take that. And then he starts to stammer and stutter and kind of feeling bad, and I'm going, yes. Now, there's no guarantee that Joel's going to say yes. But I just knew that as we continued this process, that God was going to be in it. And we go through this process and God unanimously among the search team, unanimously with the elder board. And then the congregation came around him and said, this is the guy. And I look at it and I go, you know what? If I would have tried to get in the way and done it my way and tried to force things, you know what would have happened? My will would have caused some other people to see it. And they feel manipulation, whether they can even say you're doing it. And they would have resisted me, and I would have gotten away of the Holy Spirit. The other thing that happens in those kind of processes, and you just think about it here, the other thing that happens is when you sit back and you let God do it, and you let God take hold of what He wants to do in your life, because, you know, if you try and make it happen, you make it happen, and it wasn't what God wanted, it's worse. Just ask Abraham and Sarah on the Ishmael thing. But when you get out of the way and you say, God, I want you to do this, and you begin to move, you know what you get to see? You stand back and you go, wow, God, you're incredible. You fall on your knees in adoration and you're filled with joy and you start to just tell people about this incredible God and how He showed up. If you want to get in the way of God's blessing, then get in the way of His blessing. Try and make things happen in your own strength when it's not to be. The other way that you can begin to experience the blessing of God is actually kind of funny that you get in the way in the sense that you're not in his way but you're in his way in that you're doing what he says you know that old hymn some of you will recall if you're new to the church it won't make any sense to you but this idea of trust and then it says and what obey you want to experience the blessing of god it comes when you begin to trust get out of the way and then obey get in his way of his blessing which is to do what he calls you to do listen to his spirit and obey it means when his word calls you to do something you do it when he says you know don't lie don't cheat don't manipulate don't do it, then don't do it when he says don't steal whether it be with your taxes or whatever he says don't don't do it he says here are ways i'll bless you walk in it you're not walking in it to get saved or somehow to get god to go good good job you're walking in it because you know his blessing Blessing flows through that. And it's real easy for us to stand up and, and separate ourselves and go, man, I'm glad I'm walking that way. But, and we can condemn others because we see their sins and we see the big sins and we put them out here. But the reality is the way you lose God's blessing is through your attitude. It's one of the easiest ways to miss the blessing of God. You get up in the morning and maybe it's looking like this. It's a Monday and you're negative and you start to complain and you start to, you know, everything is coming out. That, that's not walking in the way of God. And as you begin to do this, think about it a second. How many people love to be around a person who's in self-pity, they're complaining, their attitude's rotten? Does it draw people to you? How, do you think God in heaven is going, oh, I can't wait to be with Kevin today. He's complaining again. Man, isn't it just fun to be with Kevin? He's, he's condemning that person. It doesn't happen that way. If you want to be, if we want to be a church of blessing, we have to be the kind of people who walk in the blessing. And it's not about looking at other people and trying to go, well, I'm better than them. It's all about looking at ourselves and saying, what in my own heart and my own life is not walking in the will of God? Is my attitude out of place? Because you know what? If your attitude's out of place, you won't be a channel of blessing. 
I can promise you the people that you work with aren't going, well, I want to sign up to do what he's doing. What church do you go to? I'd like to complain like that. But what's the church you go to? Oh, I love how you condemn those people. Now think about it. You want to receive God's blessing? You've got to know the importance of blessing. You see throughout Scripture, you see God is just waiting to bless you. When you get out of the way and you begin to walk in His way. And here's the coolest thing that God does. He says, guess what? I want you to experience the joy of blessing others. Now, there's a twofold thing in this. God wants us to be people who speak well and bless others. I tell you, what you may need to do is turn off the news from time to time, because if you let your mind be filled with all the political negativity and garbage that's going on, it's going to be hard to walk in a, in a way where you bless I mean, what you put in your mind is going to come out. And so I just encourage you, you want to be a person who has the joy of blessing others. One of the disciplines, if you want to talk about something that, that forms your soul, is what Jesus told us to do. He said, when others curse you, what do you do? You bless them. It's a discipline. The act of blessing changes you. And here's the great thing. I don't think of anything that is better than, than affirming and speaking life into a person's soul. A few weeks back, we had a, a, a staff meeting, and in our staff meeting, we just took time, we did the strength finders, we went around and we just affirmed what we saw in the other person and spoke life into their heart. I can't, it, it's amazing how wonderful those staff meetings are. It's amazing how wonderful your relationships will be when you start looking at people and affirming that in them. If you look at your spouse, and I'm not saying you deny and you don't deal with the things that are going on in your relationship. You need to do that and get honest about it. But it's amazing how you can move into a positive trend when you begin to affirm. I've asked Beth to come and share uh, just a few stories because as I was preparing for this and, and I wasn't, I didn't know exactly how God was going to take me in this until I started to really dig into to this passage and saw the blessing part of it. But it just so happens about a week or so ago, Beth went to a conference where it was all about blessing. So coincidence or providence? Why don't you share with us? Christina Dunwin and I were privileged to go to a conference where we, we learned a lot about blessing and we came home just bursting with joy as it uh, described the, the disciples when, when Jesus blessed them. And uh, I'm just delighted to have an opportunity to share a little bit. But as I've thought about this, I realize that blessing has really become a theme in my life and in, in my ministry. And, and I think somehow or other I stumbled across the, the power of blessing years ago. And um, we, Ian and I have two daughters. And as our girls were growing up, when we would tuck them in at night, I would just gently put a hand on each one of them and pray the blessing from Numbers 6. And um, my daughters, as I look back, have really been blessed by God. That doesn't mean their lives have been easy. They've faced some pretty big challenges. But um, God has been very present with them through those challenges, and they have really grown in their faith, and their faith has held strong. And for those of you who have children who don't know the Lord or children who have wandered away from the Lord, it's never too late to start speaking blessing into their lives and see change take place. I want, to, I want to have you share another story here in a second, but I'm going to ask the team to come up right now if they would, because we're going to move into a song after this. But I went to college with, uh, with Susan Hesch, and she actually came to the school and named herself Day Hesch because she wanted a new identity because of the messy 
home life. She came out of. Tell us a little bit about what your experience around this person, the mm-hmm. Hesh family. Well, a few years ago, I discovered a book called The Truth Comes Out by Nancy Hesh. And um, she is the mother of Anne and, and Susan, whom uh, Kevin knew. And uh, Anne, you might know, is a, quite a famous actress. And uh, one day she called her mother, Nancy, who uh, is a Christian pastor and counselor, and informed her that she was in love with Ellen DeGeneres and they would be getting married. And you can just imagine uh, Nancy's shock and um, just the, the terror that she felt, not only because she was a Christian and she didn't believe that that was a, a, an appropriate lifestyle, but uh, Nancy's husband had died of AIDS uh, before AIDS even had a name. And so she had already been tremendously impacted by a homosexual lifestyle. And so here's her daughter, whom she loves, telling her that she's entering into a um, same-sex relationship. And Nancy was trying to figure out what part her faith would would play in that. And she says um, in her book, I'm going to read a bit of it, she says um, that her own heart was changed dramatically one day when she was flying on an airplane to visit some uh, her grandchildren. She says, I had my old scruffy Bible in my lap and was reading Acts 3, the chapter we would study in our Monday night Bible study in Chicago the next week. And the last verse jumped out at me. When God raised up his servant, Jesus, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. She says, I read the verse again. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. And Nancy says, God sent Jesus to bless me, and that blessing turned me from my wicked ways. I wondered if I had ever read that verse before. God's blessing is what turns me from my ways to his way. I had never thought about what saying God bless you really meant. If this verse is true, and of course it is, the blessing of God is very powerful. I thought I should walk down Michigan Avenue in Chicago and bless everyone I passed. I could say it under my breath. I could bless people and be part of God's plan to turn them from their way to his. Then I thought I could bless Anne. I had never blessed her in her lesbian relationship because I had a hard, stubborn heart. I had never blessed her because I thought in my Christian lingo that blessing her would be the same as agreeing with her. I didn't agree with her position, but I loved her and longed to have a relationship with her. It was so hard. Most of the time, I didn't know what to do or say. I thought of all the times I wished I had blessed her. The first time she and Ellen came to Chicago and we had dinner together. I felt so awkward and helpless and cold-hearted and scared. The time we had a really difficult political discussion in their kitchen about gay preachers and gay marriages. I felt awful. I really didn't know what to do. But now I knew at least one thing I could do. I could confess my sin and I could bless her. So in that little plane with my Bible on my lap, I confessed my hard heart and I blessed her and I blessed her friends. And as God would have it, that was the weekend she ended her lesbian relationship. But wait a minute. Sometimes I hesitate to tell that story because it sounds like ooga booga, poof. I sent up a magic blessing and they broke up. But please appreciate that the real celebration, the real magic of mystery is what happened to my heart. What happened with Anne is another matter. I don't try to explain it, and I can only tell my story. It's my heart that was changed so that I could finally bless her. And when Anne got home uh, from her vacation, she pulled out her Greek lexicon to study the word blessing, and this is what it read. To bless is to ask God to interfere, to take action in one's life, to bring them to the desired relationship with himself so that they are truly blessed and fully satisfied. She says, after reading that, I thought I should bless everyone all the time. So I read it again. To bless is to ask God to interfere, 
to take action in one's life to bring about in their lives the desired relationship with himself. Do you get how powerful this is? Pass along the blessing. Bless everyone. And just let me add that as you listen to the song and, and take in in prayer, that all the blessings in your life from God are to align your heart with him. Don't be afraid of anyone because all the blessings you give is your desire that their hearts are aligned with the God you know.